Painter, I want you to describe your emotions after the game when you see Bruce Pearl, you know, go out there. He's about to get interviewed, but before that, they hand him the Lombardi Trophy, and he holds it up in the air because Auburn had just won the Super Bowl, man. A mixture of relief, a mixture of satisfaction. There's not many coaches that are capable of bringing you an SEC regular season title. And the very next season beating the New England Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is this this is the type of this is the type of uh win that can, you know, define a legacy for a coach. Because there were people <laughs> there were people who were like, you know, Auburn Auburn's gonna have a really tough season, but then to just kind of battle back and go on a run, you know, kinda like the kinda like the New York Giants of that year when they knocked off the Patriots when they were undefeated. The, the Eagles, you know, catching fire and 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 slaying slaying Brady and those guys. Like, what's the best comp for Arkansas this year? What's the best NFL comp? A team that has has played well the last few postseasons, a team that has plenty of talent, a coach that is, I think, widely respected. Sometimes struggles for some reason in its own division or in its own conference, if you will but gets it together at the end of the year. And, most critically, hasn't won a championship in decades, but acts like it won one yesterday. Dallas Cowboys. Oh, and it's so perfect because they have Jerry. Yeah, no, it's... I I feel like I feel like we need... I mean, I feel like we need to kind of cycle Pablo and, and Dave in on this, but because, like, I want to know. I want to know from the people listening to this. Tweet me. Do whatever. Like, tweet Painter. What's the best amount of cope that you saw from Arkansas fans on Saturday night? Because, man, they were going through it. And, again, there are people who are fans that are just, and some with pretty big platforms, that are just like, you can't, okay. It's one thing for Kentucky fans to say, and Calipari to go out and say, well, everybody, every time they play us, it's our Super Bowl. Like, that got annoying enough. But for Arkansas... It's like, okay, number one, haven't won a regular season title since 94. Auburn's done that several times since then. Um, hasn't, won a, hasn't won a conference tournament title since 2000. Auburn has done that several times. Yes, getting to the Elite Eight back-to-back years is phenomenal. That is something that Auburn would love to have on its resume. Eric Musselman's done a great job. They recruit so, so well. And as we'll talk about later, Arkansas's not at full strength. They don't have... Nick Smith right now, Trevon Brazil's hurt. Like, but this is still a really, really good team. There's a lot that you could really like about Arkansas. But come on. Let's let's not get let's not kid ourselves. Let's not act like they're and the best part, and I and I don't think it's trolling because I don't think they're I don't think they're intelligent and coordinated enough to pull this off together. It's like you can't sit here and say, well, this was your Super Bowl when you literally stormed the floor after you beat Auburn last year. Which is a great moment for them and they they loved it. Like that's I'm all for that. Like college that that's what makes college basketball fun. You know, you, you have those moments. That's cool. That's cool. But you can't sit there and just be like, Well, I'm glad y'all beat the one team y'all really wanted to beat this year. It's like I 
that that crowd that crowd is like that. That's going to be like that when they play anybody at home this year. Annoying though it may be, and silly as it is for Kentucky to do it, and basically what it comes down to, I guess, is Kentucky gatekeeping being the sort of having a monopoly on the league, which I think it's at the moment seemingly losing. They're certainly not just dominating the league like they have for the majority of its existence. I can follow the logic when a Kentucky fan says, everywhere we go, we get this. Everywhere we go, we get everyone's best shot. Arkansas, eh, pump the brakes a little bit. You've got a nice program. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas's currently, they're, they're now going to be one and two in SEC play, and they're doing exactly what they've done the last couple of seasons and it's with when you when you rotate your squad as much as 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 Musselman does. I mean they they go all out in recruiting guys and um, you know getting transfers and being you know being pretty pretty uh, pretty ruthless when it comes to roster management. And it's worked for them, right? And and that's something that by comparison, Bruce Pearl we talked about it on the last podcast, the loyalty to the guards and. By the way, how how big did how big did those guards play, especially Wendell Green Jr. in one of the toughest matchups they'll play all year? But you know they started off the SEC season last year zero and three, and then they won eight straight, including that one to Auburn. Finished it finished thirteen and five. Would have caught Auburn two seasons ago. Start out one and two in SEC play. Uh, start two and four, and then end up thirteen and four. Catch fire, go all the way to the lead eight, like. This is what Arkansas does. And so, I mean, they're going to be good. That win's going to continue to, I think, to get better. Nick Smith's going to come back at some point for Arkansas. And that's a quad one home win for Auburn. It's it's a, it's a tone setter. It can shift kind of what you're thinking. Because if you lose that game, as we had said last week, it's not the end of the world. But it would make the next three weeks, like, really, really crucial for Auburn to get it around. Now you've got that momentum from it and you're going to hit this stretch of schedule if you're Auburn here where over the next you know three weeks you don't play a team that's currently in the top 40 in Ken Palm um, and you don't play a really elite team until you play Tennessee uh, at the beginning of next month almost a month you know almost a full month of time before Auburn plays Tennessee uh, in Knoxville that's going to be a brutal game because Good grief, Tennessee is just throwing people in trash compactors right now. But it's like th- this was such a huge, huge win for Auburn. And you can celebrate all those reasons that it was a huge, re- huge win. But I think it's even sweeter because for Auburn fans is because they can look around and say, eh, Arkansas fans are at least going to tweet through it. This is just their this is just their MO, man. This is their vibe. They do this. They they will just let it fly. And Auburn fans are, are fine to throw it right back at them. As they should. This is a bit unrelated, but one thing about basketball that is fun, that regular season title does mean a lot. You know, Arkansas, on the other hand, has, I think, done what a lot of people would say is the object of college basketball. Really, both things are. You want to win titles. You also want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year. And Mus has had them doing that for a few seasons in a row now. Um, and, and so here's where it's kind of unrelated. Like if we get rid of divisions in football, does it make winning the regular season title 
like more exciting in league play? Because that, I mean, that's one thing about basketball that's fun. You've got multiple things to play for. You're playing for a regular mm-hmm. season title. You're playing for a conference tournament title, and you're playing, of course, to win the dance. Yeah, when they get rid of divisions in football, since you can't play a round robin, it's like they'll take the. T- I would assume it's going to be the top two teams move on to play in the SEC title again. But yeah, I think it would give it a little bit more juice because it's not like, especially if they if they balance the schedules out, if they do the 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 pods, the rotating format, it won't be like, oh well, you won the East. You know, and and again, Georgia's changed that rep. Obviously, if you if you win the East right now and your name's not Georgia, that's that's a huge accomplishment. But it's like, yeah, like you can't say, well, it's geography or it's no, you you proved that you were the best. You know, when it actually mattered, and that's where you know basketball is really really interesting because the postseason in basketball is the most chaotic. It's it's a crapshoot. It's if you get hot at the right time, rarely does the best team win it all. All that good stuff, um, which was what makes it more exciting and kind of more equitable. But you also know in the back of your mind, okay, this isn't the best way to determine a champion. On the flip side, though, the regular season title, you earn that thing. You have to play 18 games. Some conferences play 20 regular season uh, conference games, and you have to grind all the way through it. Right. For more than two months, you've got to be the best team out of more than a dozen teams. And, like, that's why you say, you know, if you're Auburn, and this is, we said this before Auburn went to Tampa. We said it before they went to Greenville last season for the tournament. It's like being able to hang up that banner as, a, as an SEC regular season champion, that is a bigger accomplishment than winning a few games in a tournament. Now, making it to a Final Four, even making it to an Elite Eight in back-to-back years like Arkansas did, like, that's that's good. That's That's fantastic. But like it takes more to win an SEC title, especially take non you know, take the NCAA tournament for example. You can get to the second weekend beating a team that you have over that you've overmatched, and then winning another game, and boom, now you're in the Sweet 16, which would have been huge for Auburn. People would have loved to see Auburn be in the second weekend last year. But that is much easier to do if you get in than it is to win a SEC regular season title, and so. Celebrate that um, and know that uh, in Fayetteville right now, they would love to have one of those. They would absolutely love to have uh, that, and they and they haven't had one. I mean, they've only had one in our lifetimes, Painter. Like that's, They've only done that once, and it was when we were one year old, or less than one in my case. It um, Shifting back to your point about how the schedule breaks for the next couple of weeks, it is so funny how a win like this changes the feeling around the program. Auburn, it felt like right, wrong, or indifferent. You could argue if they really were. But I think if you just took a, a vibe check of the, the fan base, people oh, sort of felt yeah. like we were limping into this game. Yeah, I mean, I did the mailbag on Friday that we had was overly negative, and, and rightfully so, because that Georgia loss was, was bad. It was ugly. What, six-and-a-half-point favorite? You lose by 12? Yeah, that that was bad. And, like, a lot of people were, like, sitting there and, you know, I, I still think you have to adjust expectations of this team. I think especially with the way Alabama and Tennessee look right now. They're the class of the league. But, like, right now on Kempom, Auburn is projected to be 11-7 and in SEC by the finish, same as Arkansas. They have the head-to-head against Arkansas. They don't have to play Arkansas again, which is huge. 
and like you that number a, a, being the third best team in the SEC this year or the fourth best team in the SEC this year would be huge considering you don't have the third or fourth best overall roster in the league but you might be playing the third or fourth best basketball in this league this year and that's a testament to what Bruce Pearl and this and his program is built and, and and these veterans if they can start playing like this more consistently this team could be fun this again I, I've said it a bunch of times this year and continue to say it the 2019-2020 team is going to be the best comp for this team there are going to be some rough spots there are going to be some patches where they it, it just doesn't look great but they will grind out out wins they'll beat you at home and if they're playing their best basketball by the end of the year, that team got robbed of it, obviously, with COVID, with the COVID outbreak. But they were exactly where you wanted to be for a team that you knew was not going to be a wire-to-wire champion. You know, that 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 was always could be really tough for Auburn to pull off this year. Um, and it was something that a friend of mine mentioned. I, you know, he's mostly joking, but there's a, a hint of seriousness to the comment. Like, it is a shame Auburn doesn't host the NCAA tournament because if they did, I'd feel really <laughs> good about their chances. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing. You play nine home games in the SEC, right? Now, you have to play Alabama and Tennessee at home this year, and those are going to be that those are going to be tough games no matter where they are played. Yeah, splitting you know, against, against those against teams those this year would be excellent. Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Now, you win most of your games at home, snag a, snag a few on the road, you're one of the best teams in the league. That's what having that home court advantage means. And, uh, yeah, Auburn Auburn got to got to revel in it. And uh, I'm telling you, it, Auburn, you got to take advantage of the fact that this schedule is the way it is, especially in the first half. One, you, don't, you play Arkansas just once this year. I think the other thing that we're going to say in the long run it helps out Auburn – is they only they get Missouri just once because Missouri's offense is really really good. They get Missouri just once, and that's at home instead of having to go to Missouri Arena. In the first half of their schedule, Ar- like this was the marquee game. Now, at Ole Miss, home against Mississippi State, at LSU, at South Carolina, home against Texas A and M, home against Georgia before they play Tennessee on the road in SEC play. This is a stretch where yeah, I mean Auburn's capable of losing those games. But Auburn's also capable of making a really good run right here and winning most of them, if not all of them. And that that's what the that's what the reset does for you. That's what that's what the vibe shift you can have from winning again and winning the way you did against Arkansas. Because you know why, Painter? Why? Because it was the Super Bowl. Ah, uh, yes. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless checking in from Parts Unknown. How are we doing, Painter? Hello, brother. It's a big uh, weekend for Auburn, both in basketball and in football. We'll talk about both. Uh, spirits are higher than they were a few days ago. Mere days and ago. Mere hours ago, even. Is that not the Auburn experience, yes. though? Is that not yes. the Auburn athletics experience? Um, but we're here to talk Auburn basketball's big win, uh, 72-59 win over Arkansas. 
We'll also talk about Auburn football's uh, big wins on the recruiting trail, including one they got like right before we started recording this morning. Uh, that is uh, pretty significant. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday morning. It should come out on Sunday afternoon. So if Auburn picks up more transfers in football over the next 24, 48 hours, just keep in mind that's why uh, you're not hearing about them. But we'll continue to have um, the up-to-date info on the tracker, uh, the scholarship tracker, the roster tracker, uh, which you can get if you are an Observer subscriber. So sign up, $6 a month or $6 a year. You also get twice as much of this podcast and a lot more fun fun stuff that goes on with that. All right, let's jump right into the game itself. Auburn wins 72-59 over Arkansas Painter. Wendell Green Jr. gets a four-point play on the first possession of the game. That is the only time in this game the game was ever tied, was the first 14 seconds. Auburn led pretty much wire to wire in this game, and then also they led by double digits for more than half of this game. It was 20 minutes and some change that they led by double digits. Flat out, here it is. They did to Arkansas what Georgia did to Auburn earlier this week, which means two things. Number one, it's hard to win on the road in, in, in college basketball. Always is. But number two, this team this is what this team is capable of playing to its to its full. Uh to its full full potential. And we said it a few days ago. Don't expect Auburn, if they were going to turn it around this year, to do stuff that was would be out of nowhere. Don't expect them to gain new skills and, and try to get it. Instead, what they do, do it more consistently. And man, in this game, they did it. They did not a perfect game, not a flawless game, but they played their best half of basketball in the first half, and they played an equally good half of basketball in the second half. Kept Arkansas at arm's length. They never, I mean, they got within four like once in the uh, again in the first half. They never got. They never really, really threatened inside nine for most of the second half. This was exactly the type of win you needed. And Arkansas is not at full strength. We mentioned it earlier. Nick Smith's out. They don't have Trevon Brazil. Um, they're going to get better as time goes on. That's that's just what Arkansas does. But this is one of the most talented rosters in college basketball this year. They had one of the best recruiting classes. They had a great transfer class. Easily a top five team in terms of just pure talent, right? And a matchup that wasn't super favorable for Auburn. And yet, they come out of there winning pretty big by doing some things. I mean, playing great defense, rebounding the ball, and then just getting enough balance from their offense, Wendell Green, Alan Flanagan, what you got from Janai Broom, and then those spots, those little hits from Trey Donaldson and Zepp Jasper and others were enough to put away a really good Arkansas team. This is going to be one of Auburn's best wins of the year. This is going to be a resume builder. And again, this is a this is a narrative vibe, uh, you know, momentum shifter if you're Auburn. Because instead of being like, you know what? This is going to be a grind this year. If they don't turn it around soon, they're going. They're, it's going to be a fight to get into the tournament. It's just one game. You say that after a loss, you better say it after a win. If Auburn plays like this more consistently, they can accomplish a lot and still be one of those top four teams in the SEC. And if you're playing your best basketball with more experience to your name by March, you feel you feel better about what, what they can do when they rumble. And, and they showed they can beat – a really, really good basketball team uh, 
which is what they did against Arkansas. And not only did they win, they won pretty convincingly, and it wasn't really close past the first few minutes of it. Yeah, much like the Georgia game, it did feel like Auburn was – well, much like the Georgia game, if you were Georgia, it felt like mm-hmm. Auburn controlled this one. Even when Arkansas would get it within arm's length, Auburn was able to thin them off. Forgive me if you already mentioned this. We'll reiterate it, though. One of the best Auburn wins on paper in a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Bruce Pearl was not that, – that fact was not lost on him. There were several facts that weren't lost on Bruce Pearl. Um, one of them was him saying – this is such a good quote. He said uh, – uh, talking about uh, Wendell Green, who had a great game. and We will talk about how Auburn's guards really, really responded in a tough matchup um, after playing – so poorly against against Georgia. He said, you know, Anthony Black is a great player. Anthony Black, by the way, five-star. I think he was a top 10, top 15 player in the country. Had a great game for, for Arkansas. Got the free throw line a ton because he's a monster combo guard. He said, the league knows Anthony Black just like they knew Jabari Smith, but I've got good players too. I mean, he, 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 will, he, he rides for his guys, right? And some of that, we talked about it, the loyalty Bruce Pearl has had. Some of these guys not recruiting over their heads has been questioned by some Auburn fans in the last few days. And it makes sense to where people would kind of poke at it. But to see the vets come through the way they did, especially Wendell Green Jr. was big. But, yeah, like you said, after the game, Bruce Pearl saying, beating Arkansas 13th ranked, it's probably one of the top four or five wins I've had here at home in Neville Arena. It's an important win, uh, and it was start to finish. So I'm very proud of the kids. Um, If you just look at it on, on, on Ken Palm, yeah, Arkansas came into that game top 10 in Kempon. They were number 9. They're now number 11. We'll see where they end up at the end of the year. Last year, Kentucky, when Auburn beat Kentucky at home uh, in that big one, um, Kentucky was number 4 in Kempon when that happened. To go to find another win quite like that, you got to go all the way back to the end of the 2018-2019 season when they beat a top 10 Tennessee team at home right before they went on the run. As we know, the SEC tournament all the way to the Final Four is where they caught fire. Um, the year before that, they beat Kentucky. They beat a top 15 Kentucky team at home. But that's pretty much it. That is pretty much it in terms of winning. Like, so this is, he's absolutely right. This is one of the two, three, four best home wins Auburn has had um, since he arrived on, on the Plains. And... It was well deserved and well worked, and I mean, this was this was kind of what Auburn basketball can be at its peak this year. They could still play better. It's a college basketball team. You can always find stuff you can say. Oh, they could have done this, this, and this better. And we'll talk about some of those things. But like, yeah, they didn't really reinvent themselves. They didn't really do a ton different. They changed up the rotation. They did a huge thing with their defense, and that that's going to be kind of the 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 big. Uh, point I want to make here shortly but yeah this wasn't like oh they magically started doing a lot of things they hadn't done this year it was no they did the things that they had done at times this year just more consistently take care of the ball play great defense get balanced contributions from your offense and you can grind it out you can grind out these kind of wins against like I said one of the best teams they'll play all year I think Tennessee and Alabama are a step above um in terms of in terms of where they are in SEC, I don't know play. how. At least today, how you could push back right. against that. But everybody else that they play, and everybody else they play to this point, Arkansas is the best one. 
the you know outside of Alabama and Tennessee, this is one of the top teams you're going to play all year. And not only did you beat them, but you beat them pretty convincingly. I know they're not at full strength yet, and that's that's you know you play who you have to play. But even without Nick Smith, even without Trayvon Brazil, like this is a great basketball team that they that they dispatched uh, on, on on Saturday night. It was just hard fought. Their style of basketball won out. Since Musselman joined the league, ESPN SEC Network threw up this graphic. Arkansas had won three of the last four meetings heading into this game. Three of those four were decided by four points or fewer, two of which were in overtime. Of course, last year they get the win over Auburn uh, as and snap that win streak. And one that, that I'm still bitter about, frankly, is that 19-point comeback win that Arkansas gets on us in 21. So, you know, in, in a sense, over the last couple of seasons, Arkansas has gotten the best of us. It was nice to even things out a bit, if you will. Yeah, and man, was it not was it not sweet for Alan Flanagan to even things some things up with him? He may not get to play Arkansas again. We'll see if they'll match up in the SEC tournament. You know, Alan Flan- We'll start with Alan Flanagan in terms of individuals. I do want to talk about the team defense because that's that's the I think that's going to be the the thing that really won Auburn in the game. But while we're on the subject, Alan Flanagan. He didn't shy away earlier this week when he talked about Arkansas. Uh, he said, quote, uh, for me, it's personal just being from Little Rock and them offering another kid over me. I never got the offer from my home state, even though I was the number one player in the state. So it's personal to me to play against the Hogs. Well, slap Bloody a dude. logo over whatever team we're playing. Goodness yeah. gracious. Put that put that razor back out there, Bruce. Here's the, uh, here's the thing. He played a great game against Georgia. He hit some sh- tough shots and was like, outside of Janai Broom, he was kind of the only offense Auburn had on a consistent basis in that game. But Bruce Pearl and others had, had talked about it over the last few weeks, how it hadn't been a great start to the year for Allen Flanagan. Obviously, the injury la- uh, last, last year changed a lot for him. And... Yet yeah, this was a game where he uh, he just continues to grind and and pay off. He puts in a ton of work, and it pays off. He gets a big eighteen points in this game, three of six from deep, which was great to see from him. Two of three inside, he was five of six from the line, eight boards. He was huge for them on the defense end. Got a couple steals, a couple assists as well. Only turned the ball over once, which has been a problem for him this season. And. Man, he he played. He he was a man on a mission in this game, and did not. I mean, both ends of the floor played played really really solid basketball, and back to back double digit point games for him. You have to go all the way back to the end of the twenty twenty one season, uh, with the last time he did that. He didn't do that at any point last year, and he didn't do it at any point to the to this season so far. Um. We've seen at times, oh, he might be turning the corner, oh, he might be turning the corner, and it just wasn't consistent enough. Instead, like the, these, this is the first time in a while we have seen back-to-back excellent games from Allen Flanagan. And, yeah, him and Chris Moore, two Arkansas guys, did a really good job on the wing uh, because Arkansas's wings were held in check for the most part in this game. The zone, obviously, is, is a big part of that. There, there are guys that Arkansas has um, that are really, really good that did not have the same impact in the game that I thought they would, like Jordan Walsh, um, 
you know, got some stuff from uh, from uh, from Ricky Council, uh, of course. But yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly what you wanted to see from Alan Flanagan, and if he can be like this more consistently, you can see where you can see where Auburn really, really uh, has a higher upside than maybe people gave him credit for. Maybe Bruce elaborated his thoughts about this to y'all in his post-game comments. I believe sure. when I was listening to the SEC Network interview at the end of the game or after the game, he was talking about Allen and that in this game, Allen wasn't always looking for the perfect shot, wasn't always trying to get a better shot, but taking what the defense would give him. And mm-hmm. I think in turn that meant dribbling a little bit less and just like putting the ball on target. And at least yeah. if that was the case, if I understood him mm-hmm. correctly, it seemed to work for Allen pretty well in this matchup. Well, the the big thing in this game, Auburn only turns the ball over eight times. We've said it. When Auburn takes care of the ball, they have a solid offense. Now, it's not a light them up from deep offense, and it's not a score 100 points offense, but it's a good offense. And Arkansas is a really good defensive team. This is a top 10 defense Auburn played uh, on Saturday night. And they got 74 points on them and, like, could have had a lot more. Um, And and there's some areas inside didn't have a ton of front court scoring in terms of efficiency. Good grief. Zepp Jasper, all all that ball did on that heat check was not go down, you know. And there were some misses from some – Katie Johnson, just some of those – I would say more than half of those shots were good shots. Some of them were forced. Some of them were a lot he's trying to get into the groove. He had some that were unlucky not to go down. Wendell Green Jr. should draw like 10 more fouls than he probably did in this game. They could have had 80-plus easily on this Arkansas defense. But the big thing is they took care of the ball, and Bruce said after the game, here's how they took care of the ball. They didn't They didn't pass a ton. They ran offense where it was a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of you know screens, like getting that action going, where – if you throw the ball and Auburn can get loose with it when they when they pass it, Arkansas jumps lanes because I mean they are so dadgum big. I mean everybody who steps on Devontae Davis is six four, their starting point guard. Everybody who steps on that floor for Arkansas is huge, and so they get into passing lanes, they create havoc, and then they and they create easy offense off of it. What Auburn did in this game was say, you know what, you want to you want to get into a track meet, you want to be the physical team, you want to be the team that 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 plays to that advantage. Auburn takes that away in this game by doing a lot of dribble handoffs, doing a lot of stuff, getting Anthony Black, as good as Anthony Black is, getting some freshmen in some tough situations on defense, getting some open shots. And just saying, like, it's kind of funny how how he phrased this, but he was like, the key to the game was really understanding, let's get a shot before we turn it over. (laughs) And he said, also... Uh, later on, he said, the other thing we have emphasize is just take open shots. We didn't have very f- many forced dribble penetrations that create strips and rips in transition. I thought that was very, very important. Whenever they did turn the ball over, whenever they did give up a, a you know a long defensive rebound, Auburn did a great, great job of getting back on defense and kind of building the wall from there. That's what they had to do. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, Alan Flanagan got aggressive, and he hunted his – there were a couple of those three. There was at least one of those threes that he hit was not an easy shot, but he got enough room and he had enough confidence to pull the trigger. And the Allen Flanagan from a month ago, from a year ago, probably isn't the dude who's trying that shot, but it's good that he's doing it right now. 
I had a comment on our most recent podcast about Auburn not being able to win the conference. And I think in the moment, there were probably people who were like, Painter, could you have stated anything more obvious? This team is not <laughs> going to win the league, and they have not been threatening to do so, it appears, I think, to the average onlooker for some time. But I think there was a general, like, you know, this team's not even capable of being a, a top four team in the league. And and after one win, suddenly I think it resets your mm-hmm. assessment of what Auburn can be. I will say, if you're looking at it from a bit of a, a more pessimistic view or what some people would just call a realistic view, as you've already mentioned, and we know this, hard to win on the road. That will continue to be true. Yep. And how consistently can Auburn get performances like this out of Wendell and out of Allen? Because, quite frankly, they haven't gotten this a ton this year. But the fact that they did it against one of the best teams they're going to play all year, I think, is a good sign. They're about to – getting that momentum, getting that confidence back. Let's go to Wendell Green Jr. because he had an excellent game. After what I would say it was probably – one of his worst performances as the starting point guard for Auburn. Um, uh, you know, obviously he was hurt against USC, but seven points, two of twelve from the field, four turnovers. Auburn turns to Trey Donaldson in the final minutes to just to just finish out the game. Wendell Green, first possession of the game, pin down screen from Jalen Williams, dribble handoff from Janai Broom, hit the three, four point play, yell at the crowd. Uh, two possessions later, hit another three. Good step back three. He felt he was in he was in his in his bag early, and that is he is the most kind of when he gets in his bag, when he gets that confidence flowing. Uh, rarely do you see him kind of cool off. He gets hot and stays hot, and uh, I mean he just makes everything go. Auburn was a lot more controlled, a lot more balanced on offense, and when he was on the floor, he was just seeing things well. He drove to he drove the lane at times, but he didn't put himself in danger a lot. He dished the ball off really well. That no look alley oop to Dylan Cardwell. I mean, we say it every week or so. That's one of the best passes I've ever seen Wendell Green Jr. make. That one right there, man, a no look alley oop. He had a few dishes late. You know, when Arkansas kept scoring and Auburn just had an answer over and over again, it was Wendell got it and ran the show, 19 points, more assists than turnovers, three steals in this one. You know, he made up for the fact that he had three turnovers with three steals. He turned those into offense. Auburn scored a ton of points off of turnovers in this game. Uh, I believe the the number ended up being 25. Yeah, 25 to 6 in points off turnovers. They got in transition a little more. They ran a little bit more. This is the kind of team we thought they could be at the beginning of the year with Wendell Green Jr. running the show. And he caught a lot of flack this week for his performance against Georgia. But he's got this uncanny ability not to have back-to-back bad games. I mean, that's just it's just been his M.O. since he arrived at Auburn. He did a really good job in this one. And again, he was Devontae Davis is 6'4". Anthony Black is 6'6", 6'7". He had, a bunch of, he had a bunch of titans going up against him in that backcourt matchup. Didn't matter. Played one of his best games of the year. And that is huge. Bruce Pearl said it after the game. Auburn feeds off the confidence of Wendell Green Jr. and Janai Broom. Those are very confident players. Those are very uh, emotional players. We'll talk about what Janai meant, especially on the defensive end here in a moment. But, yeah, feed off that energy. Like, 
there are going to be games where, in this game, Jalen Williams only has nine points, but he plays really good team basketball. Zep gets a little bit more. You didn't get a ton from KD. You know, it wasn't like lighted up from the bench on offense outside of uh, Allen. However, however, this team is built to be like, if you just get a couple of those guys clicking, you, you'll be in a good spot. You really need Wendell Green Jr. and Janai Broom to play play great basketball pretty much every night. Now, you can make up for it if they're not at their absolute best, but if they're both playing well on both ends of the floor, this is an Auburn team that can, especially when they're playing at home, that can beat a lot of good basketball teams. they got to take it on the road, but this was a really, really good sign because doesn't matter what the venue is, that Arkansas team is one of the best teams they're going to play all year. I'll keep saying it because it needs to be repeated. Talent-wise, it is hard to match what 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 uh, Musselman's got in, in Fayetteville this year, especially when they get Nick Smith back. If we could get that performance out of Zep almost every night, boy, I mean, he's got he's got to get a little more aggressive with that yeah, with that shot. Yeah, he that that's that stretch to start the second half again. Auburn's been a second half team. Arkansas has definitely been a second half team. Came back and and won against Missouri. They had another big comeback, I think, earlier this year as well. Um, Zep went two of five from the field. If he hits that one three, if he goes, you know, if he hits his, his two twos and hits a three, he's basically given us what that have been eight points, whatever he, he winds up with. Yeah, seven or eight. If he if he hits that three because he, he had almost five, had, uh, he almost had seven points on three straight possessions. Right. I mean, if Auburn gets that version, I mean, based on the way his offensive game has been a lot of this season, it feels like you're just stealing points if he's getting you mm-hmm. six, eight, ten points a game because I think he's averaging something like three points right now. Right, and his defense is so good. And Katie Johnson's defense is good as well. And so those that two-guard spot's not been very overly productive on offense so far this year. But if you get a little bit more out of them, and, I mean, Zepp was in that closing lineup, played the last seven-ish minutes of the game because – Auburn had a hard time staying in front of, of Anthony Black, keeping him going from the free throw line, and then kind of helped turn some of the water off for him uh, down the stretch, helped Auburn get those stops that they needed to pull out the win. But, yeah, it needed that from Zep for sure. And I don't, I don't mean to be like a just a hater here. I don't expect him to do that every game because that's really not – it seems to me how he approaches the offense, but – I mean, t- not here at least. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, he took a lot more shots with his previous team, but if he's taking five or six good looks a game, let him rip, buddy. Yeah, it's it's it, it's the kind of confidence that you need. You get a little bit more consistency out of out of Katie Johnson some nights. You get uh, you get Jalen Williams to be a little bit more productive. You get Janai Broom finishing around the rim a lot more. Uh, efficiently, you can see where this offense can continue to take a step forward. And look, the three-pointers, they shot 33% from deep. That was a whole lot better than what Arkansas did, and it was enough to get win. I'm telling you, there were three, four, five of those three-pointers that all they did all they did was not – all they didn't do was not go down. Like, they, they – that was terrible English. Basically, it was just like they were almost all the way in, and they they somehow came out. Now, the trade downs in three that ended that – the really only big rough drought of the game for Auburn – in the first half, and I don't know how in the world <laughs> that ball went in. It took about uh, three attempts, but finally it found its way down. Um, but you need stuff like that. And, yeah. and Trey Donaldson should get a lot of credit as well for, you know, in a game where you know that Wendell was making everything go and the offense was better and he, and you needed him on the floor as much as possible, 
he held his own, again, in a matchup that is a very tough one uh, for backcourt players. You feed off the energy of Wendell Green Jr., especially on offense. You feed off the energy from Janai Broom on defense. What a game for Janai Broom. Six blocks in this game. He had nine defensive boards. Uh, he had ten uh, blocks all – I mean, I'm sorry, ten rebounds altogether, ten points. He becomes the first Auburn player to have three straight double-doubles since Austin Wiley three years ago. Um, it's been a minute since Auburn's had this kind of production from a single player uh, down low. 40 minutes into this podcast, we, we might we might need to talk about the one thing that, that really changed this game for Auburn. Arkansas cannot hit threes. Neither can Auburn. Um, but they are very ISO, you know, as Chris Moore said earlier this week, very ISO freelance offense. Hey, like, these are guys that are going to be NBA players. They let them operate in space and, and, and win one-on-one matchups. So instead of trying to play one-on-one basketball with them, Auburn said, here we go. We're going to play a zone. We're going to pack in the lane, and we're going to dare you to shoot because we don't think you can shoot, especially on the road. And boy, were they right. Uh, Arkansas only hit two threes in this game. They're an even worse three-point shooting team than Auburn is, and it's a it's it's a it's a mark that served them well. Um, here's the difference between Auburn and Arkansas. I think Arkansas didn't really have any answers on the zone if it wasn't getting to the free throw line and driving like that. Auburn's zone offense has been pretty good. They've got a good zone buster offense. They show that against Washington. There have been times this year when teams have tried to zone up Auburn because they can't shoot, and they have. In Chennai Broom and Jalen Williams and some of these these guards and wings, they know how to attack the soft spots. Arkansas, they don't really have that. It's not it's not Arkansas's game. It's not what uh, it's not what Arkansas brings to the table on the offensive end. Um, so it was a perfect defensive matchup. Now it was rare for Auburn. Our buddy Henry Patton, who does a great job uh, covering uh, Auburn hoops, among other things. Over at Rivals, follow Henry. He's on Twitter at Henry underscore Patton twenty three. Does a great job. He is, I would say, Henry. His his numbers and his analysis of basketball. Um, I'm even envious of it. Uh, for for a lot of the stuff he can get into with some of the numbers, he pointed out on Twitter last night. Auburn ran a bunch of two three zone to start the game. Prior to tonight, they'd only run three zone possessions all year. I asked Bruce Pearl after the game, this was probably the most I've ever seen a Bruce Pearl team play play zone defense in a game. Alan Flanagan said, I think it was the first time they played zone for most of the game, if not all the game. Now, there were some times they did run man, and when they were in man, as Bruce Pearl said after the game, they had those zone principles fresh in their mind about how to play in the gaps, how to help out, you know, be able to, to, to be one, one spot over, that help defense collapse, you know, be able to to absorb penetration, help out your teammates, build 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 a wall up around the basket. That was a, such a good um, defensive game plan, and they played it really really well. And with Jedi Broom anchoring it, blocking shots, did an excellent job. This was the worst. Uh, this was the worst offensive efficiency, worst uh, effective field goal percentage Arkansas has had all year. This is the worst effective field goal percentage they've had in a in an SEC game since they lost to Alabama last year. Uh, went right after they beat Auburn in overtime uh, of that one. 
this is exactly what you needed for from the Tigers. Like the ability to they're a good defensive team. They didn't gamble as much because you don't gamble as much when you play this zone defense. There were some breaks, there were some mishaps, there were some times where they didn't get back perfectly on defense every time. But they held Arkansas to fifty nine. And I know Arkansas's got their shooting problems and I know they're not at full strength, but that is a really, really good basketball team that you just held fifty nine points. And they took away what Arkansas was really, really good at. They really leaned on kind of the rim protection and um just the defensive just the defensive maturity of some of those veterans on the other end of the or on the, on that end of the floor for Auburn. That's exactly what they needed. That's exactly what they wanted to bring to the table. And um, yeah, I mean, Painter, this is this is where I think Bruce Pearl really really showed his strengths as a coach because he needed to make changes. Some things had to be different. One, this was a great game plan, a great scout, great preparation for Auburn. And it paid off in this game, especially playing at home. They got to feed off that crowd. But number two, they just they don't play zone a lot. But when they did it in this game, because it was the best way for them to to, to succeed, they did it, and, and they did a really, really good job. Um, Auburn needed something like this to happen. Uh, they needed a win like this. And it's like, well, if a team can't shoot threes and they got a lot of guys who drive to the basket – why not pack it in and play a 2-3 zone? And, you know, the counter to that is for Auburn, well, you don't play a lot of zone. Well, they, they, they've they played it enough and they've at least practiced it enough that they were able to unleash it on a really good team and, and get the win. That was such a good adjustment, such a good game plan. Um, I believe Wes Flanagan was on the scout for this game uh, um, uh, amongst others on, on the staff. I think Wes might have been the lead on that. I'm, I'm sorry to whoever did it if, if I was wrong there, but I'm Pretty sure it was Wes from what I was able to gather this week. They they had they they had Arkansas pretty much locked up most of the game on, on defense. That was the most fun I've had watching Auburn basketball this season. And I would imagine that sentiment was uh true for just about everyone else. The performance itself was good and the stakes, who it was against, the context around the game, how they did it, controlling it essentially wire to wire. No notes. Yeah, but it's great game. Great game from Auburn. A big win. They And again, doing it with defense, letting the defense lead to offense, letting the offense get under control, don't turn the ball over as much, and then just grind it out. Like, again, this is not a team that's going to throw up 90, 100 points. They're not going to play this free-flowing, super-high passing basketball very often. But they played to their strengths in this game, and it was enough to beat – a, a strong Arkansas. Most nights that's of exactly Auburn we'll scoring about 75 points. I like our odds. Yeah, Auburn this season, here are the points they've allowed this year. 52, 59, 65, 56, 64, 42, 60, 66, 82 against Memphis. That's the outlier. 64, 74, 61, 58, 76, 59. Again, like I said, Painter, if you're in, if you're in, if you're in 70 most nights, you're going to be good uh, if you're Auburn. So, just find a way with the possessions that you have to get to that magic number, play great defense, you'll be fine. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but by the time we podcast next, Auburn will have played another basketball game. It's just the beauty of the grind and the gauntlet that is SEC basketball. Up next, Tuesday night in Oxford. Looking forward to going back to the Pavilion. It's a fun venue to watch basketball. Auburn played really well there uh, last season, had that comeback win. 
And uh, great Auburn crowd will be interested to see what that that crowd looks like for midweek game on Tuesday night. But they play at Ole Miss. Um, here's the thing about Ole Miss: uh, they're not playing great basketball right now. Uh, they have lost uh, their last four. They have also lost seven of their last nine. They started off the season six and zero. Had a couple of good wins there. FAU, uh, who who has been really really good in Conference USA play this year, um, and also has gotten some some marquee wins elsewhere. Uh, Stanford beat beat a top one hundred Stanford team. Since then, though, lost to Oklahoma, lost to Memphis, lost to UCF, lost to North Alabama by one, lost to Tennessee in a game where they led for most of uh, of the way, and Tennessee pulled away late. Got crushed by Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and then lost by ten to Mississippi State on Saturday night. They're zero three to start SEC play, eight and seven. Uh, spirits are low, I would say, in Oxford when it comes to this basketball team right now. Um, Here's the matchup you want to keep in mind. Ole Miss, better at defense than offense. Ole Miss also cannot shoot the three ball at all, even worse than Auburn. They're 29% from deep this year. Not a good free throw shooting team. Not a good team at uh, keeping, you know, maintaining the ball in terms of getting turnovers. Uh, Auburn forces more turnovers on the defensive end. Ole Miss turns it over a little bit more on the offensive end. These two teams are very similar in the way they want to play, uh, but Auburn – more talented, um, playing playing better basketball at the moment. It's a matchup where I think, especially if you played that zone really, really well, I think they're going to be able to do some of the same things they did against Arkansas in this game, against a team not quite as talented, but you got to do it on the road, right? You got to do it away from, from Neville Arena. You, the jungle, by the way, jungle, incredible. I think they filled up in, within like 10 minutes. Classes don't Classes haven't even started back yet. You know, people are coming back into town, obviously, because the classes start next week. But classes hadn't even started; still at still at full strength. You got to do it away from home, though. And this Auburn defense, this Auburn defense has got to take advantage. They absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to take advantage of this matchup because I think Ole Miss does a lot of things very similar to Auburn in terms of their statistical makeup. Auburn just has more talent, and they're playing better basketball right now. So you got to you got to get that edge. We shall see uh, what uh, what what that ends up being. Kermit Davis, we know, has had Bruce Pearl's number in the past. Uh, Musselman had had it as well. Obviously, Mike White has had it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of this matchup because Ole Miss. This is one of those games for Ole Miss is if they don't win and they start off zero and four in SEC play, it's not impossible. They do play Georgia at home and they play South Carolina next week. South Carolina looks like the only team in the SEC where you're like, yeah, they're they're not good. They're just not going to have a good year. Um, but yeah, this is like they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna be trying to avoid starting out um, zero and four. And for Auburn, could potentially be a top one hundred win away from home. Would really help out their resume. And yeah, gotta gotta get a gotta get a big win away from home. Uh, Washington is the only true road game. You've only played three this year, but it's the only true road game you've won this year. Got to start evening up that schedule a little bit. We mentioned that Auburn needs to steal some on the road. I mean, you're better than Ole Miss. You're more talented. That hasn't stopped Ole Miss from getting the best of you. Uh, I would like to see Auburn play like the better team for essentially 40 minutes on the road against Kermit Davis, who, by the way, last year I wondered if he would be shown the door or would find a new home. Um, like you said, if they start 0-4 in league play or if things continue to snowball for them, won't be shocked if they decide to move on. Yeah, they went 4-14 and in SEC play last year. They started 1-5 and 
Um, got on a little run in the middle and then and then fell apart down the stretch. Yeah. So let's not let's not be the lone bright spot for Kermit Davis this season if we can avoid that, please. Very different, I think. Very different. Like you went to Georgia at a stretch where Georgia's playing good basketball again, not against the most loaded schedule in the world, but they had been playing good basketball instead, playing an old Miss team that's scuffling. And you got to kick a guy while they're down <laughs> at this point if you're Auburn, especially when you need a, a road win. Uh, additionally, I would like to point this out. Uh, courtesy of Ken Palm. Talk about Auburn's schedule. This was the first ranked team Auburn had played all year. Arkansas was. They won last night. Even still, Auburn's got the number 35 strength of schedule to this point in the season. The fact that they played so many top 100, they didn't play Gonzaga. They didn't play a Kansas. They didn't play a, they didn't play a big, big marquee game. But that strength of schedule on the whole, Bradley, Northwestern, St. Louis, Florida, now Arkansas. Those are all really, really good quality wins for Auburn. They got to be able to string together some more of those uh, moving forward. All right, we need to talk some football here uh, here before we before we go, and we've got a decent bit to talk about on the football end. Uh, but before we do that, let's take care of some business. Talked about it earlier. If you like this podcast and you like more of it, we do another one of these episodes with me and Painter later in the week, where you can get all of our uh, recaps uh, from basketball, all of our talk about football here in the off season. If you subscribe to AuburnObserver.com, it's just $6 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get every podcast that we do, but you also get every newsletter, every story that we do covering Auburn football, men's basketball, deep dives, X's and O's, uh, stats, um, roster management, uh, a lot of stuff that uh, we hope you can't get anywhere else when it comes to Auburn football and Auburn basketball. So sign up there. We email everything to you about 6 a.m. Central Time most mornings if you're subscribed to The Observer. You got your observations this morning from Auburn, Arkansas, uh, and it was like I think I think I ended up. I don't. I, I hate being this guy, but sometimes I like being this guy. So I want to. I want to. <laughs> want to get my number right. Uh, Thirty-three hundred words about Auburn, Arkansas. So if you want to read a lot more about that Auburn, Arkansas game, that's what our observations uh, are for. And uh, mailbags, a lot of fun stuff at the Observer. Sign up there. Like I said, for six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, or you can give us a free trial. Check us out for seven days, and if you like it, you can stay on board with a subscription. You can also help us out with absolutely no money down. Painter, how's, how, how, how can the folks at home do that? Take about 20 seconds, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. It's easy. You can do it on Spotify, too. You can't leave a review on Spotify, but you can follow the show. You can leave give us, us five a, stars. You can give us five stars. You can take your family's phones and do that too. You can take your coworkers' phones and turn them on to the observer. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, give us a review on the observer. Go to go to Auburn Observer. Search Auburn Observer. Tap ratings and reviews. Hit five stars. Write us a review. If you do that, we will read it on the air because we are vain people and also we like shouting you out. Um, but yes, uh, it, it helps us out a ton. So if you haven't done it yet, or if you have devices that you can do it on or accounts you can do it on, it helps us out a ton. So uh, give us five stars and a shout out. Say something nice about Painter, and we will read it because, again, uh, it helps us out a, a, a ton. Also, this podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at HomeFieldApparel.com. Homefield Apparel is the only sponsor of the Auburn Observer, not because... And they might be the only ones who'd want to be associated with us, but more importantly, they're the only ones we trust. Homefield Apparel gets the most comfortable collegiate apparel that you'll find anywhere. 
We'll talk a little bit here towards the end, I think, about uh, about the national title game. I got a TCU shirt. I, it's it's nothing against Georgia. I, I actually like watching Georgia play football, and I like Kirby Smart. But I got my TCU shirt uh, ready to go for Monday. A lot of good Auburn stuff. Saw a lot of Auburn um, – a lot of Auburn home field uh, on uh, on Saturday in the arena. That orange Ever to Conquer shirt, one of the best selling shirts from uh, Auburn or for for home field last season. Auburn basketball design. You can get that. You can also get ahead. You know, for football season or baseball season, hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts. I'm telling you guys, it's the most comfortable stuff you're going to buy anywhere. You can get it at homefieldapparel.com. You get 15 percent off your first order at home field if you use the promo code. Observer. That's homefieldapparel.com. Shout out to the gang up in Indy for uh, hooking us up and also uh, making our t-shirts. You can get your official Auburn Observer t-shirt uh, at homefieldapparel.com. Just go to Homefield, search Auburn Observer, and get uh, get a really comfortable Navy, a Heather Navy t-shirt with our logo on it. Support the show, support the, support the uh, newsletter, and uh, just be like 20% more attractive when you're wearing that shirt. That's, that's just what's going to happen. I've turned some right. coworkers on to uh, the good brand. There you go. Here there in parts go. unknown. It's very easy folks. I mean, the product speaks for itself. So the product speaks for itself. And like, if you have friends like painter and parts unknown, I'm guessing that the people around you painter, it's a wide range of allegiances. Uh, when it comes variety to variety of colleges, colleges and a variety of pro teams as well, but yeah. So I mean, it's a really it's a really good spot uh, to to hook yourself or your friends up with some really comfortable uh, and cool apparel uh, for sure. All right, let's get to football because it's been a big weekend for football, and like we said at the beginning of the podcast, it could continue to get bigger uh, for the Tigers. Um, but yeah, big, big weekend. Let's start with the high school pickup, Tyler Scott, uh, from, uh, from Pebble Brook, Brook, sorry, from Pebble Brook, uh, in, um, in the Atlanta area, uh, Mableton, Georgia. That is where, uh, Jared Harper played his high school, uh, basketball, uh, the more you know. Committing to Auburn and signing with Auburn at the, uh, the U.S. Army All-American game on Saturday. Auburn has about seven million uh, defensive backs uh, on their roster for the uh, 2023 season. And Painter, I've said it a billion times on uh, on the podcast and elsewhere. You can never have too many defensive backs. But here's what here's what Zach Etheridge and uh, Wesley McGriff have to work with uh, right now. They have 18 by my count. Yeah, you know, we'll see if all of them stay put. Just because you can't, probably can't play 18. But with DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett coming back to Auburn for next season, here's the list of DBs they have right now on scholarship. Nehemiah Pritchett, DJ James, Jalen Simpson, Zion Puckett, Donovan Kaufman, Craig McDonald, Marquise Gilbert, Keontae Scott, Caden Bridges, Caleb Wooden, J.D. Rim, Austin Osbury, Sylvester Smith, Terrence Love, J.C. Hart, Colton Hood, K. and Lee, and now Tyler Scott. They're still recruiting some guys. There's this Florida safety transfer they're going after as well. They're really, really loading up. You look at the past uh, with Ron Roberts and his defenses. He gets aggressive uh, with his defensive backs. He has secondaries that are very versatile, uh, very physical. He wants to be able to lean on that. They've got a number of options back there. And, uh, yeah, Tyler Scott, 
a pretty good pickup for Auburn here. He is a three-star in the composite. I believe Rivals has him as a four-star. Um, he's really on the borderline. But you may look at three-star and say, ah, okay, who cares, three-star. You know, you, you get conditioned to think it's not that big of a deal. I want to point out, Tyler Scott's official visits in this recruiting cycle, Auburn, Alabama, Texas, USC. This is not an average uh, average three-star uh, by any means. He was once committed uh, as our as our buddy um, Chris Clemente wrote at two four seven uh, this weekend. He was committed to Arkansas State and then blew up this fall to the point where Auburn went after him hard. But also, like I said, Alabama, Texas, and USC also bringing him in for visits uh, and offering him scholarships. Great, great pickup, rising guy. Um, projects out to be a power five starter. Uh, you know, according to two four seven's evaluation of him, six one one ninety five uh, from a really good area for football uh, in the Atlanta area. Uh, yeah, big time pickup uh, for Auburn to get Tyler Scott. This is a guy that I think with some development and some time, much like J.C. Hart and Colton Hood and Kane Lee, uh, the safeties Love and Smith from this class. Um, just a lot of young, good young quality defensive backs in that room. So. There's a wave. There's a it's a very veteran group. A lot of guys are probably playing their last year of football at Auburn in 2023, but that next wave is going well. Uh, deep, deep defensive back room. If Auburn's defensive back room, if Auburn's the rest of Auburn's rooms were like Auburn's defensive back room, oh boy, that would be a uh, it, it would be a lot different roster. But even still, um, done a really really good job to get to that point. So big win there for Tyler Scott. He's not alone. Also on Saturday, Auburn picking up a commitment from big defensive lineman. Uh, I want to hope I'm saying this correctly. Apologies to the young man if if, uh, if I'm not. Mosia Nasile Kite, Kite, sorry, uh, looks to be his his uh, name. Painter, we've got somebody who's following the Josh Vitale path to success, which is start your start your uh, life and your career in uh, College Park, Maryland, and end up coming to Auburn. Uh, and that's what they got in Mazai and Silakite. Uh, tra- big transfer from the University of Maryland. Go Terps! Things are going great for Josh. Yeah, I mean he's 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 uh, he's getting to connect with with his, with the Auburn fan base a little bit more by, by shouting out shouting out some turtles. Uh, Mosai and Silakite is, uh, in a word, massive, big dude, very very big dude. Um, he is a defensive tackle. That is currently listed at six foot two, three hundred and ten pounds. One of the most experienced interior defensive linemen in the transfer portal. He started twenty two games at Maryland. Uh, played in every game over the last three years there. Uh, he is he's big. He is he's really really big. We look at the history of Ron Roberts' defenses. He likes having a big nose. He likes having just kind of like those interior linemen who can kind of be war daddies up front. Uh, for a guy, for a guy uh, in, uh, in 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 Kite, uh, Nasil Kite, sorry, um, I keep I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Um, he uh, he had, I think it was nine tackles for loss and six sacks, I believe it or seven sacks during his career at Maryland. Uh, so for a guy who plugs a lot of holes, creates a lot of movement up front, also can be productive in his own right and get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, stop ball carriers in the backfield. Big guy that can kind of be an anchor for your defensive line. You need more more of that. We saw Auburn. They had Jason Jones. Um, 
but they need more just big, like huge gap plug-in monsters down the middle of their defense. Kide is, is one of those guys uh, that they are able to uh, land in the transfer portal um, that uh, will be a pretty big pickup for them. So c- got to continue to get defensive linemen. Uh, they have picked up uh, several players here in this in this cycle. Uh, Elijah McAllister, the edge rusher, uh, Quintrell, Jamison Travis, who was the Juco player. Um, they want to continue to get more and more and more. Uh, Nasil Kite, I think, kind of like what they had uh, maybe with like a Morris Joseph, where it's you get a guy who has played a lot of ball somewhere else, get in, be a part of your rotation, uh, help help build that up. Um, I think a, a positive side painter is that this defensive staff is really committing to getting depth, uh, especially DB, but we're seeing it now on the defensive line. And, like, one of the most puzzling things about the Harson era is they did not rotate guys at all on defense. Um, and so many dudes just played so many heavy heavy minutes, heavy snap counts. This, this, this kind of seems to be more like what we saw in the Kevin Steele era, building that depth, that quality depth up, and just letting guys rotate so they can be fresher throughout the game. That's got to be a key. Um, no wonder why Auburn was so bad uh, and, and, and late in some of these games blowing leads because um, they didn't rotate. And I think that seems to be a, a different priority for this group. Interesting that Brian Harson seems to be a Georgia enthusiast. Yeah. Uh, let you want to talk about that? We can. Let me let me put my my hater hat on real quick. It's hilarious. It's honestly like that. That was one that I just, man, like, it's like, you got to know. Like, even if you're, even if you're doing like the whole, like, which is what, you know, Brian Harson has, a, has a lot of, of background in doing of being like, um, you know, being the coach that talks a lot about the preparation, the mental side, the, you know, a lot of the real football guy stuff. Posting a giant picture of the Georgia running back. Was it back. Kenny McIntosh? It's Kenny McIntosh. And he's like, preparation, that's what's going to get us the, the title game. And it's just like, all right, dude. Like, it would be one thing if, like, you just said that. Like, you know, we've seen some Auburn, former Auburn coaches go into media. Gene Chesing's a good example of that. Um, or it'd be one thing if you're like, hey, they asked me about Kenny McIntosh. Or they asked me about Georgia. And I gave him my to. <laughs> To go out and put it out on Instagram and then also limit the comments. Did you see that part of it as well? (laughs) It's like you want to be a bit of a troll, but you can't handle what it takes to post like that. (laughs) And one of the things that I find refreshing about Kirby Smart is he will get out in front of a microphone and be like, yeah, man, our dudes are better than yours. Yeah, that's just, yeah. We can sit here and talk about like, and, and the TCU, the the national title game against TCU is gonna be fun because, like, Seth Emerson wrote this. Uh, our buddy Seth Emerson at the Athletic wrote this story on Sunday where he's like, Georgia looks really focused. They're like, hey, we're it's all business. We've been here before. Let's go back. Let's do it again. Let's make some history. Let's let's win back to back titles. Where it's like TCU's in here is like house money, baby. We're having fun here. Like, and that's what you should be. At this point, because look, yes, Georgia is playing for a national title again because 
they develop well and they do a lot of the the right things on and off the field and their guys are well disciplined and well coached but let's not kid ourselves they're also in the national championship game again because they just have an insane amount of talent yeah it takes both you know i mean because if it was solely based on talent um i think alabama would be in it every year and so and they're not you know we uh, we talk a lot about why having that being a part of the blue chip ratio is important, yada, yada, yada. The coaching obviously matters. However, Kirby Smart is one who does not shy away from being proud and, and deserves credit for assembling a staff and himself being a good recruiter. I mean, like, this is where you really win a championship. You can talk about preparation because it's important. You can post about it on IG, but, like, if you don't get players, oh, it's, it's really just, you're thing, just right? running your mouth. You're just running your mouth. And that's the thing, right? Because it's like it would be one thing if it was just you're talking about it. Or it's like, yeah, that's that's coaching. That's that's what you need. That's the championship mindset. That's the mentality. It's like, but it's Georgia, man. They're there because they got recruits. What did you not do when you were here? I mean, the philosophy of this of of of, of Auburn recruiting it looked like for the most part under Arsenal was well, they'll just come to us, or like we'll develop everything. <laughs> There's super weapons over there. And I'm not the there. first person to point this out, but it's very funny. And look, coming from me, guy who does a podcast, I know, I know. But like to be bad at recruiting and spend time doing a podcast and then talk about how important preparation is and to have an interim coach who's never been a head coach come in and like immediately make the team look better. I don't know if you want to be banging the preparation drum. Yeah. Hundred percent. So that was funny. Uh, by the way, um, my official take on the national championship game is: I think Georgia wins, but I think TCU because this is what TCU does um, makes it makes it closer than people think they're going to be. That that it's a team that hangs around, plays a lot of close games. I that's I think I think if they win, if TCU pulls the upset on Monday night. It's not like we have to rethink everything we know about college football, but we also have to sit here and think, okay, maybe it's not just the recruiting invitational. And especially now when we get into an expanded playoff, there are gonna be there's gonna be more room for guy for, for more TCUs to break through. And I think that's fun, not just because I personally cover a team that's not going to be a top three recruiter year in and year out, but mostly because I think it's just gonna be more fun football. That's my personal Personal opinion. Yeah, I, I I think generally speaking, we probably agree that having the best talent is going to be the thing that you need most years. But maybe there's room for exceptions more frequently. Uh, and, you know, TCU would change the way we view the blue chip ratio in yeah. some aspect, right? I think it, it, it's been largely accurate. Uh, well, to this point, it's been completely accurate. But if TCU does get the upset, then it, you know, you go, all right, we got an exception to the rule now. And also it's like, you know, TCU's path is easier than say at Auburn, obviously, because they like Oklahoma and Texas, I believe are the only two teams that are in the blue chip ratio in the big 12. They're both about to leave for the sec. Oklahoma was in a year one under a brand new staff and Texas is still Texas right now. Like that, and that means a little bit more differently. Like Oregon was the only other team to 
um, what a playoff semifinal, I believe, that it wasn't a blue-chip ratio team in this era. Well, what did Oregon have? They were really, really good recruiting. They were like as close as you can be to blue-chip ratio without being blue-chip ratio when they did it. They had an elite quarterback in Marcus Mariota. And also, like, they were in the Pac-12. And USC wasn't firing on all cylinders by any means. So, like, it helps. It's different. So, recruiting, and we sit here and talk about how recruiting is the lifeblood and of, of college football, and it's very important for Auburn. Um, yeah, it's still going to be very, very important. But also, like, it would be cool to see a little bit of wiggle room. But also, if Georgia wins another national title tomorrow night, it's also like, yeah, I mean, they're they're the best thing going right now in the sport. You know, they, you, you get what you put in. Back to recruiting, because there was one more pickup. Sunday morning, um, this was hinted at s- Saturday night by Josh Aldridge, the new linebacker's coach at Auburn. He's talking about how Auburn wasn't done yet. Had two commitments on Saturday, obviously, and 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 uh, the uh, and the defensive lineman and the and the DB we just talked about. They get a linebacker, and woo, buddy, did they need this linebacker? Demario Tolan, surprise, uh, just kind of announcement. Hey, he signed with Auburn on Sunday morning. Demario Tolan from Orlando was a top 200 recruit in the 2022 cycle. Auburn went down to the wire with LSU to try to get him. They did not. The last staff did not seal the deal. Uh, he ended up going to Baton Rouge. Got on the field in all but two games for LSU this season. want to make sure I get this right. Um, played on special teams, but also got on the field on defense a decent bit. Let me, let me double check. These numbers are from Pro Football Focus. Looks like Demario Tolan played somewhere around 78, sorry, 74 defensive snaps this past year. Got on the field a lot more towards the end of the season. And made some plays, um, you know, got to the quarterback, his pressures, had some tackles, also played a role in special teams. Our friend Brody Miller over at The Athletic, uh, the best uh, the best one out there covering uh, the LSU Fighting Tigers. When DeMario Tolan entered the portal last Wednesday, he said a lot of people in Baton Rouge thought this dude was going to start next season. Um, Auburn really needed a linebacker like him. Uh, Tolan is going to have three years of eligibility left. He, you lost Owen Papo. You're bringing back Cam Riley. You got Wes Steiner. We'll still see what the rest of the group is. But man, they needed they needed dudes who could come in and play right away because that linebacker group, not terrible on depth, but not a whole lot of production. Tolan enters the transfer portal on Wednesday, visits Auburn on Thursday, sides with Auburn on Sunday. It's about as quick of work as you can make in the portal. I think Auburn made it very very clear to him that he that he was at a big time position in need, and with the second chance in the portal. Auburn makes the most of it and ends up uh, getting a uh, a player that um, I think if he isn't starting next season, he's going to come really, really close, I think. Big time pickup and getting DeMario Tolan this quickly. There are others to keep in mind uh, with the, uh, the transfer portal. Now, let's say this right off the top. There's been a lot of smoke when it comes to Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback, and Auburn. To my knowledge, Sanders has not visited Auburn yet. Believe the window for transfers to visit this current period ends uh, here pretty soon this weekend. It'll be very interesting to see what Auburn does. They obviously prioritize other quarterbacks over Spencer Spencer Sanders. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is reuniting with his offensive coordinator from Virginia, going back to NC State or going to NC State, I should say. So that's another quarterback that have been, has been linked to Auburn at least tangentially is off the board. We will see what Auburn's doing with Spencer Sanders. Um, it does seem like there is some interest. We will see just 
what that progress looks like here. Uh, and that can move pretty, pretty quickly just because that's we're coming up to the end of this first transfer portal window, and then you get another one after spring ball. Another name to keep in mind, there's a bunch of guys visiting. They had big defensive linemen from Kentucky in. There's a, a safety uh, from Florida, I believe, that's out there. I want to talk about Nick Mardner, who just, who just um, visited here this weekend from Cincinnati. Nick Mardner... Uh, is a wide receiver, and we know Auburn is wanting uh, wide receivers um, right now, uh, especially guys who are big and could be potential possession guys. Nick Marner, originally from Mississauga, Ontario, uh, which is uh, which is a suburb of Toronto, six foot six, one hundred and ninety pounds, a big old dude. Where's the Nick Marner connection? He was at Cincinnati this past season. Um, he finished uh this this past year 19 catches for 218 yards and three touchdowns had a had a big play against arkansas early in the year his previous three years before that he was from he was played at he played at sorry he played at hawaii in 2021 at hawaii he had 46 catches for 913 yards and five touchdowns here's the connection his wide receivers coach was mark stavis who is now auburn's wide receivers coach Nick Marner, uh, a good potential add here for Auburn if they end up getting him in the transfer portal. Dante Thornton, uh, the big another big guy uh, from Oregon, was linked to Auburn, visited them early. I think Tennessee's involved there. Uh, Cal, I think, might have been the other one with him. Uh, Arkansas uh, in the mix as well. I think I'm getting all that right. Auburn seems to not be as much of a factor in his in his uh, recruitment as he, as he was early on. He's supposed to be making his decision on Monday. Um, so keep an eye on that if Auburn's still in the hunt there. And then, uh, Peter, you were talking, we were talking off podcast about this guy uh, a while back, um, the Georgia State wide receiver. Uh, he announced his commitment to Louisville on Sunday. So that's another one that Auburn has brought in. I mean, they're bringing in so many guys on visits. You're not going to get all of them. Uh, but Mardner seems to be kind of the new, if you need to get an impact wide receiver right away, he is that guy. Uh, he's played four years of college ball, um, had a really good 2021 season, almost 1,000 yards under um, <clears throat> uh, Marcus Davis, and then was a, was a solid rotational piece for Cincinnati this past year. Keep an eye on Nick Marner. Um, Canada, I, I, don't, I don't know if Auburn's ever had, had a player from Canada. I need to look that up. Um, in all my in all my infinite uh, hometown, I have that hometown uh, all time Letterman hometown thing kind of kind of marked. They have had a player from Ireland. They had a punter from Ireland a while back, uh, back in the day. Um, but I don't think I'm going to keep scrolling here and kill time. They have never had a player from Canada, so he would be the first. Um, Canada by way of Hawaii and Cincinnati. Not not usually not usually a, a name you'd see, but big guy Nick Martiner. Uh, six foot six, um, and would bring that kind of possession receiver uh, with experience that you need in that room uh, for Auburn. So keep an eye on him. Like I said, we recorded this on Sunday morning. Uh, before this is before noon when we're wrapping this up. So if anything happens Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Monday, that's why we're not talking about him yet. But you can keep track uh, with the uh, with the roster tracker at the Observer, and uh, we will continue to have coverage of all of that, as well as. Coverage of Auburn at Ole Miss on Tuesday. 
like I said, looking forward to getting back into Oxford. Uh, it's a fun fun place to watch a game, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to this one. And then Auburn plays Mississippi State later in the week. That's all I got. Do you have anything you want to add, Painter, about football or anything? Nah, enjoyed uh, enjoyed seeing Auburn get the best of Arkansas. That was a little positive news bump that we could. I think we enjoyed. Yeah, I think a lot of Auburn fans, Painter, are right there with you because this it's just one game. Like I said, if you're going to say it's just one game after a loss, you better say it after a win as well. But it shows you just kind of what the ceiling of this team could be. Now they got to go do it on the road. That's the next step. And Tuesday night against Ole Miss, a struggling Ole Miss team at the moment and a desperate Ole Miss team at the moment, I think would be uh, that, that part. Like I said, subscribe to the Observer. We're going to have a lot of stuff throughout the week on basketball and football. Uh, and uh, our next podcast will be either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll talk Auburn on Miss, and we'll look ahead to the Mississippi State game, and we'll also keep you up to date with everything going on with football. Appreciate all of you who are listening. Appreciate all of those of you who subscribe, uh, and uh, we will talk to you guys again later in the week. Peter, final thoughts. Two years in a row, two Super Bowl wins.